Stevie B's Media Production is a part of the Shellcaster Network. The proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ by members of the Churches of Christ. With your host, Stevie R. Butler, you're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Good evening, wherever you are in the world listening to this radio broadcast. Stevie B's Media Production presents the Gospel Light Radio Show. I'm your host this evening, Stevie R. Butler. And this radio show is being broadcast from Stevie B Media Production at the Carolina Studio in the great state of North Carolina with my co-host, Glenn McMillian from the state of Texas, Dr. Frank Washington from the state of Florida, Clay Phillips. From the state of Georgia, Steve Corder from the state of Illinois, Robert Lee Johnson from the state of Florida, Courtney Carruthers from the state of Illinois, and Brian Christian Coleman from the state of New Jersey. Ladies and gentlemen, we are just grateful for the privilege to bring you a program where we as Christians and members of the Churches of Christ can share our faith and preach and teach the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ on a weekly basis. If you'd like to contact us while we're on the air this evening, just give us a call to the live show at 713-955-0508, or you can go to the Blog Talk Radio website and listen to the show live there. There are over 1,700 live shows that are live right now on this website. I didn't check the show before I came on the air, but you'll normally find my shows on pages one through four of that website. So it's real easy to find. Just look for uh, well, you know what to look for. It's been on for a while. <laughs> so thank you all for supporting these radio programs. If you have any questions or comments for any of my co-hosts, just send your emails to my new email address, butlersteve1009 at yahoo.com, or you can call Stevie B Media Production at the Carolina Studio at 910-491-6405. Now, again, this program is brought to you by members of the Churches of Christ, and if you need any assistance locating the congregation in your area, please feel free to contact us. Now, folks, get out your Bibles and stand along with us here on the Gospel Light Radio Show. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Before we go on the air, or before we begin our program this evening, I'll ask you to bow with me in a word of prayer that we may thank God for this opportunity. Our most kind, gracious, loving, heavenly Father, the Father, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for allowing us to go through the various activities of the day. 
and placing it on our hearts that we are on this broadcast and we are prepared now to present a portion of your holy and divine word. Father, we pray that you will be my co-hosts on the show this evening, Robert Lee Johnson and Glenn McMillian, as they break unto our listeners the bread of life. We also ask that you will continue to bless their families that support their efforts, and they may continue to sow the seed of the kingdom. Father, we pray that you will be with our listeners who are tuning in to this broadcast via Blog Talk Radio, as well as through social media. We pray that they may listen well, that they may consider their eternal stance before you, and that their hearts may be pricked. And it will cause them to ask the question, what must I do to be saved? Father, we thank you so much for sending the only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who died such a cruel death on Calvary's cross. We recognize that without such a sacrifice, we will not have a hope of eternal life. Father, even now, we ask you to forgive us for the transgressions of our own heart. We know our flesh is weak, and we often fall short of thy will. Father, we pray that you will continue to bless us and keep us and love us all the days of our lives. And if we have been faithful until death, Father, we pray that you will save us. For it's in Christ's name we do ask it all. Amen. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. In the first segment of the broadcast, my co-host Robert Lee Johnson, he serves as evangelist for the New Horizon Church of Christ there in Lake City, Florida. He'll be making his proclamation of the gospel of Christ. And we will not have a shouted out question on the broadcast this evening. So to close out the show, my co-host Glenn McMillian, he serves with the Waterview Church of Christ there in Richardson, Texas. And he'll be making his proclamation of the gospel of Christ to close out the show. So open up your Bibles and open up your minds. And let's have a great show. After the break, the next voice you'll be led up by co-host Robert Lee Johnson. Enjoy the show. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Send the light, send the light, oh the blood. 
listening to the gospel light radio show give your attention to the proclamation of the gospel of jesus christ now my co-host robert lee johnson thank you sir and welcome to the gospel light uh radio uh, ministry i am evangelist robert lee johnson and uh i preach for the Church of Christ, you're located on 441 uh, here in uh, Lake City, uh, Florida. I'm happy and thankful to uh, God for this opportunity uh, to be here and to share uh, the Word of God with you at this particular uh, time. I welcome you to the program, and it's always my hope uh, that I say something that will benefit someone as we strive to make uh, heaven our home. And so good evening to all of you, and welcome to uh, this biblical program designed uh, to help people find heaven and to uh, strengthen the weak and to encourage uh, the faithful ones and and just to be a word for those out there who are looking for hope. As I thought about what I wanted to say today, uh, my mind drifted to the 26th chapter of the book of Acts. I'm not going to say the Holy Spirit directed me there, like some of my brethren are saying today. I don't believe that God does that. I believe that if you study the Bible, you'll be able to come up with enough material to preach <laughs> or to teach or whatever it is that you're trying to do. And so I don't think we have to resort uh, to foolishness uh, when it comes to describing the work of God and what God will do uh, for us. And I want to talk on the subject this evening, are you sure? You are a Christian. What is that, Brother Johnson? Are you sure you are a Christian? 
And my thinking pattern today comes from the 26th chapter of the book of Acts. And I want to look at verse number 28. So I heard Brother Stevie say that uh, you were to get your Bibles out. <laughs> and that's always a good thing to do, you know, get out your Bibles and check out the Word of God to see if a man is saying what God uh, left on record. Because if he's not saying what God left on record, then all that we say and do uh, is not according to uh, the will of God. But the Bible says, the Bible says, and Acts 26 and verse uh, number 28, then Agrippa said to Paul, you almost persuade me to become a Christian. <laughs> That's what he said. How often, how many times have I not heard people say that when they come and listen to the word of God? And uh, they'll say in jest or maybe really in um, a genuine tone, you almost got me. You almost got me. But, you know, when people say that, they really don't understand what they're saying because what you're saying is uh, you almost escaped hell, but now you're going on to hell. Uh, you almost helped me to get in the lane or the line that's going to heaven. Uh, but because of my stubbornness and, and my refusal to listen, uh, uh, I'm still in the wrong line. But Agrippa said to Paul, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Agrippa is forced to make reply here. He could not evade, and neither could he deny what Paul had said. Paul had not accused his enemies of any crime. His defense was the preaching of the gospel. He did not plead for himself, but reasoned and persuaded Agrippa to accept Christ. What a turn affairs had taken. The authorized version has Agrippa saying, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. In Olagio does not mean almost, but it is not clear as to what it does mean. Some think, uh, those who are scholars, uh, as we talk about this today, uh, some think that it may refer to time. In other words, in a little time, Agrippa. Uh, in a little time, uh, Agrippa is saying to Paul, uh, you might be able to bring me in while others think that it means with small effort, uh, you are trying to persuade me to be a Christian, while still others think that Agrippa is speaking ironically, but not unpleasantly. He seems to push it aside for the time being, as if to say, do you think that you can make me become a Christian by your speech-making? Festus was contemptuously ignorant. King Agrippa was sadly indifferent. Christian is here used the second time by Luke. 
The first time is in Acts 11 and verse number 26. There were many reasons for hindrances in the way of Agrippa's becoming a Christian. Listen, this man had wealth. This man was sitting on a throne. He had power. Talk, Johnson. Uh, his companion would have caused him to delay his obedience to to Christ. You know, in this life, we are always wanting to satisfy the people uh, that we have in our lives. And so maybe because of his companion. That's why you need to be careful as to the, as to the ones that you encircle uh, in your life because they can cause you to make wild and dishonorable uh, decisions. And so uh, he had so much already in his life until as we look at the Bible uh, today, uh, we can see that there were so many things uh, that could have caused him not to be obedient to the will of Christ. Uh, his associations with Bernice and others all were hindrances in becoming a Christian. Perhaps his nature was touched, uh, and he was like Felix, uh, made to tremble. Uh, but also like Felix, he procrastinated with no intention ever to accept the Christ. This is why it's so dangerous for man to put off obedience to Jesus. You never know if you're going to have another chance. You never know when the next opportunity will come your way or if an opportunity will come your way. And so uh, we need to be responsive and responsible to the will of Christ and obey the word of God in such a way that we'll give our lives to him uh, and become followers of Jesus for the rest of our lives. Number one, I want to say today that a person may be religious and not be a Christian. You can have all kinds of feelings and ideas about Christianity and never really be a Christian. You can be close to the kingdom of God and never really be a Christian. You may be curious about a lot of things, but that doesn't make you a Christian. The Bible says, look at the second chapter of the book of Acts, and I want to look at verse uh, number 5, Acts chapter 2, and verse uh, number 5. Acts chapter 2 and verse number 5. Now the Bible says, the Bible says, Now there were dwelling at, uh, there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. That's what was in Jerusalem on this day. My preferred reading is the King James Version. And that version says, and there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. Now, the term devout means that uh, one would be careful in fulfilling his religious duties. 
that he was pious. And this is used only in Luke and in Acts. Uh, Simeon is described as righteous and uh, a devout person who welcomed the coming of the Messiah on whom the Holy Spirit rested. Cornelius is described as a devout person who reverenced God and gave alms and prayed continuously in Acts chapter 10 and verse Number two, now Ananias is described as a devout person according to the standard of the Jewish law. He was well spoken of by all, but these people were not Christians. Cornelius was a good man, but he wasn't a Christian, you see. And so you can be a religious person, but that doesn't make you a Christian. Uh Jesus spoke of some people one day, and Christ's words were this. He said that uh, thou art not far from the kingdom of God. So we may be close to the kingdom and yet not be in the kingdom of God. We can have all kind of feelings about uh, religion and yet not be a Christian. Listen to what Paul said in Acts 17 and verse number 22. Now, the Bible says, Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, Ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are too superstitious. Paul said that these people were religious. He did not say that they did not uh, believe. Uh, but he did say that they were too superstitious. Now, when I look up the term superstitious, uh, that word and the translation of it in the Greek language indicates fear, awe, or reverence for the gods. And so they had some feeling about God, and they had some respect for God. Uh, this term may be used in a good sense or in a derogatory sense, uh, modern translations usually take the term in the sense of very religious. And and though they were religious, they were not Christians. So 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 just having a feel for what is right, but not actually doing what's right, uh, does not mean that God will accept us. Uh Believing what is right, but not doing what is right, does not mean that we're okay in the sight of God. In Acts 11 and verse number 26, the Bible says, And when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church, and taught much people, and the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. So then a Christian is one who assembles. A Christian is one who hears and studies the word of God. A Christian assembles with the church. A Christian allows himself to be taught the word of God. And the disciples, the Bible says, and the disciples were called Christians first. 
in Antioch. So it's a beautiful thing to assemble with the church. I saw a Facebook post the other day where it seems like, and I don't know what preachers are doing today, but it seemed like these preachers uh, were ridiculing people for attending the worship service. And and they were saying, well, you can you can go to worship and really never uh, really worship. And, and they were having a ball doing that. I didn't think it was funny because when people take the time and the opportunity uh, to express love and obedience to Christ, I think that means something. And people may not be all that we think or want them to be. But the fact that they are there says that they have an interest in the things of God. I would never ridicule anybody for going to the house of God. It's a good thing to go to the house of God. And that's what I said in my post. Because they were having fun. You know, we are supposed to help people to be saved, not drive people away from the church. So I didn't join in with them. I said in my post, I said I'm glad to know and to see that they are worshiping and serving God. I'm glad that they are in fellowship and doing what God asked them to do. I think some of us have lost our sense of, of, of fairness and our, our sense of duty and responsibility. How would, you, how would you ridicule somebody for being in the house of God? That's a devilish mind that would do that. The Bible says they were called Christians. They weren't called Baptist Christians or Methodist Christians or Seventh-day Adventist Christians. You know why? Because none of that existed at this time. They were in the family of God. And the Bible refers to them as Christians. In 1 Peter chapter 4. And verse number 16, in First Peter 4 and verse number 16, the Bible says, Yet, if any man suffer as a Christian, so what does that tell you, Brother Johnson? That as a Christian, you're going to have to suffer something. Now, you need to, you need to lay your knife down. <laughs> Look at here. You need to put your gun down. Look at here. And you need to unball your fist because you don't need to be trying to fight nobody, cut nobody, or shoot anybody. But you need to suffer as a Christian. Most people today cannot take anything, don't want to take anything, and aren't trying to take anything. Yet, if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed. But let him glorify God on this behalf. So, being a Christian means that you learn the word of God. Being a Christian means that you suffer for Christ. Being a Christian means that you give your life to Jesus. 
and you live for him throughout the remaining portions of your life when you become a Christian. Being religious will not get you to heaven. But you have to understand the will of the master and do his will. Secondly, today, I want to say, secondly, today, I want to say that when it comes to being a Christian, a person may be a good person and not be a Christian. You can be a good person and still not be a Christian. I, I have met so many people that had many good attributes. Having good attributes does not make you a Christian. The Bible says, the Bible says, the Bible says in Acts chapter 10, let's go over there if you please. Let's go to Acts chapter 10, uh, verses 1 through here was a man who had wonderful credentials, wonderful attributes, but he was not in the church. He was not a Christian according to the teachings of Christ. Well, the Bible says, the Bible says in Acts chapter 10, as we share this word uh, with you today. Now, there was a certain man in Caesarea, the Bible says, called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band. Here's that good word again. The Bible says, a devout man and one that feared God with all of his house which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. He saw in a vision evidently about the ninth hour of the day an angel of God coming in to him and saying unto him, Cornelius. And when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayer. And thine arms are come up for a memorial before God. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I'm not going to tell people to stop praying. I think prayer is a good thing. Cornelius was doing a lot of good things. Let's, let's look at some of the things the Bible says that he was doing. The Bible says he was a devout man. But being devout does not make you a Christian. The Bible says he respected God. He feared God with all of his house. Not only did he fear God, but evidently he was a teacher. He taught his family to fear God. And the Bible says he gave much alms to the people. Cornelius was a helper. See, you can't claim to be a Christian where you can, but it's not going to do you much good. You cannot claim to be a Christian and then not allow God to use you in his service. Man, if you're a Christian, you're Christ-like. 
You're out there trying to save the world. You're out there trying to help people. You're out there trying to tear down the kingdom of Satan. Priest Johnson. And then the Bible says he prayed to God always. That put most Christians to shame right there. Folks say, well, uh, uh, you know he was a Christian, Brother Johnson. No, I do not know that he was a Christian. He was not a Christian. Was he a good person? Well, uh, based upon how we look at things, yeah, he was a good person, but he wasn't saved. That is, he wasn't saved by the New Testament system. And so the Bible says that if you read the whole story, you will see where Cornelius was obedient to the word of God. In Acts 10 and verses uh, 44 through the end of the chapter, the Bible says, and while Peter was still speaking, these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word, and those of the circumcision who believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then Peter answered, Can any man forbid water? that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then they asked him to stay a few days. Why? Because Peter was preaching the gospel, sharing the word of God. Inviting people to become a New Testament Christian. That's what the church should be doing today. In the book of Titus, chapter 3, uh, verses 4 and 5, the Bible says, But after that, the kindness and love of God, our Savior, toward man appeared. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done. Let me tell you something. I don't care how good of a life you think you are living or have lived. You cannot be saved by the way you live or on your own or on your own goodness. You cannot be saved. That way Paul just said you couldn't. Not by works of righteousness which we have done. That's not the way to God's salvation. The Bible says, but according to his mercy, it's by the mercy of God. It's by the grace of God. He saved us by the washing of regeneration. That's baptism. And renewing of the Holy Ghost. They were taught the word of God. You can't be saved on your own. And so the Bible makes that very plain and very clear. Cornelius, uh, if we were just making out a top ten list, Cornelius would have made it. 
But because you are a good person or think you are a good person or because you know somebody that you say is a good person, that does not mean that you can be saved or that person can be saved. Paul said, it's not by works of righteousness which we have done. What do you think that means? You can't do enough right things to cause God to save you. You got to submit to obedience to the will of God, the same as everyone else. The people on the day of Pentecost, they were told to repent and be baptized, every one of you. Not some of you, all of you. That's what one must do to be a Christian. And they were told to get baptized. Some of our brethren today are teaching all kind of funny stuff. Now all of a sudden, uh, you don't have to be baptized to be saved. Where do we get that from? Denominationalism. That's where it's coming from. It's not coming from the Bible. For the Bible says you need to get baptized. You need to be baptized for the remission of your sins. I don't care how many people preach that. I'm not going to preach it. Why are you not going to preach that, Brother Johnson? Because it's not in the Bible. God didn't tell us to preach that. It's necessary for you to be baptized for the remission of your sins. Point number three today. A person may believe the gospel and not be a Christian. What did you say, Brother Johnson? I said a person may believe the gospel and not be a Christian. Look at Agrippa's conversation with Paul, or Paul's conversation with Agrippa. In Acts 26 and 27, King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? I know that thou believest. That's what Paul said to Agrippa. I know that you believe the prophets. This man had a Jewish heritage. He heard the word of God. He was acquainted with the prophets of God. Paul appealed to his better judgment. Agrippa, don't you believe what the prophets stated? Don't you believe what the prophets said? Don't you believe the Old Testament? And Paul said, I know that thou believest. I know that you believe. There are many people, when you look deep in their souls, you can tell them, I know that you believe what I'm telling you. I know that you fathom this. I know that you understand this. There's no way that you cannot understand what I'm saying. That's when Agrippa came up. With those sorry words, almost. Thou persuadest me to be a Christian. What you're saying is, you almost convinced me to be a child of God. But I'm going to stay just like I am. You might as well keep your mouth closed. Don't say anything to the preacher. This man believed. 
There are many people today who believe. They believe in the one church. They believe in one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. They believe that. They believe that singing is the right course. They believe that they should take the Lord's Supper every Sunday. They believe it. They believe that they should give. And they believe that they should come and hear the teachers of the word of God. You can believe the gospel and not be a Christian. Man, you got to obey the gospel. King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? I know that thou believest. The Bible says, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. We have to be taught the word of God. We have to get baptized to be right with God. I have a few more points to make. And then I'll be done. My next point. My next point is this. A person can even get baptized and still not be a Christian. You say, wait a minute, Brother Johnson. You just said a, a person needs to be baptized. A man needs to be baptized to be under the New Testament law of Jesus Christ to be in the New Testament law of Christ, to be a follower of Jesus, one needs to get baptized. And I don't mean he's not under the law until that happens, but in order to please God, he must get baptized. And just being baptized without understanding what the Bible teaches about baptism cannot save us. You got to understand what you're doing. There were people who got baptized in Acts 19, 1 through 5. But that baptism did not save them. Let's read that. And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus. And finding certain disciples, he said unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. And then Paul said unto them, Unto what then were you baptized? And they said, Under John's baptism. Then said Paul, John Verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him. That is on Christ Jesus. And the Bible says when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Listen, it's not just baptism that it, that's important. It's understanding baptism in the system of the New Testament. These people were baptized under John's baptism. But the New Testament started in Acts 2. 
that invalidated John's baptism. They were now under the baptism of the new covenant. So John's baptism was no good. When people tell you that all you have to do is believe and you can be a Christian and you accept that, thinking that you're a Christian, you're not a Christian, but you might think that you are a Christian. And many people will never change. This is what I've been baptized. These people have been baptized in Acts the 19th chapter. But they had the wrong understanding. They had the wrong teaching on baptism. And when they heard about Christ's law, they were willing to be baptized again. There, there, there are going to be a lot of people who will lose their souls because they'll say, well, I was baptized in the Baptist church or the Catholic church. It doesn't matter how many times you were baptized. If you didn't do it right, then you need to do it over again. Furthermore, the Bible says, one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. That's one mode of baptism. It is a barrier in water. And baptism is to take away your sins. Baptism brings you out of the world and allows you to enter the kingdom of Christ. Colossians 1, verses 12 and 13. In Colossians 2, 12. The Bible says, buried with him in baptism, wherein also you are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, who has raised him from the dead. Our baptism imitates the death barrier and the resurrection of Christ. We go down in the water and we come up out of the water. And that's for the salvation of our souls. That's for the salvation of our souls. And so, bear that in mind as we serve our Lord. Moving right along today. One may be a worshiper of God and not be a Christian. You, you can worship God and still not be a Christian. Acts 2.47, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. People say, well, we're going to go out and praise God. Well, you can praise God all you want to. But if you're not praising God by the mandates, by the edicts, by the dictates of the new covenant, then you're just praising God in vain. Paul said in Colossians 2, 20 through 23, listen to him now. 
The Bible says, Wherefore, if you be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, why, as though living in the world, are you subject to ordinances? Touch not, taste not, handle not, which all are to perish with the use and after the commandments and doctrines of men, which things have indeed a show of wisdom, the Bible says, in will, worship, and humility, and neglecting of the body, not in any honor to the satisfying of the flesh. We got to get this thing right. God gives us his commandments as to how we are to worship and serve him. You can worship God all you want to, but if it is not according to the teachings of the Bible, that is vain worship. Matthew 15 and verse number 9. Matthew 7 and verse number 21. Paul is telling them, you can't worship according to the rudiments of the world. You cannot worship God according to the law of Moses. You cannot worship God by the keeping of the Sabbath day. Why, Brother Johnson? Because God changed his way of worshiping. And then the Bible says, the Bible says that this is a show of wisdom in real worship. When we do what we want to do, the way we want to do it, that's real worship. You better get some commandments from God before you worship him. All right, I am going to go ahead and close this out. I think I've preached long enough to save the world. And let me say this. One may be a church member. Uh-oh. <laughs> Don't say it, Brother Johnson. I said one may be a church member and not be a Christian. And not be a Christian. People say, well, well, I've been in church all my life. Well, you may have been. But is that what God told you to do? Are you where God told you to be? God didn't tell you to be a member of the Presbyterian church. Well, I've been, I've been in that, that church all my life. All my people were in it. So they were doing something that God did not ask them to do. Where in the Bible does it say be in the Presbyterian church, be in the Catholic church, be in the Seventh-day Adventist, be in the Jehovah Witnesses? It is nowhere in the Bible. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one body, one Jesus, one God, one Holy Spirit. There's one message that God has given us 
in the word of God. I don't know about you, but I'm going to hold on to it. The Bible says, and hath put all things under his feet, and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. To what, Brother Johnson? To the church. What is the church? Which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. The Lord has one church. The Lord has one body. The Lord has one kingdom. That's not the way man sees it, but that's what the Bible teaches. And I close tonight telling you this. A Christian is one who has put on Christ. Galatians 3 and verse number 27. What does it say, Brother Johnson? Well, here's what it says. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ. That's how you get in Christ. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ. The Bible says you put on Christ. That's how you put him on. By being baptized into his body. If you're not a Christian, if you're not a member of the Church of Christ, the church, the only church you can read about in the Bible, I encourage you to go to the local body of Christ and visit there and make it known that you want to be taught the Word of God so that you can be a Christian and go to heaven. And somebody at that body will teach you the Word of God. The people on the day of Pentecost said, men and brethren, what shall we do? Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. He said, for the remission of your sins. You want to be a Christian? You need to get baptized into the body. Of Christ. I'm thankful to God and for His Word. I'm thankful to faithful ministers of the gospel. In spite of so much that's happening, they're sticking with the Word of God. They're giving people the opportunity to be saved. I want to thank you so much for listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Brother T. Clinton, Stevie as we call him, is the guest. And we're looking for faithful ministers. Those of you out there, we're looking for faithful ministers to help carry on this wonderful work. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a wonderful day. To those out there in... You're listening uh, to the... Those out there in radio land listening to the word of God, I trust that God's truth will infiltrate your heart and cause you to respond there unto. Thank you for this opportunity, Steve. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. Thank you all for listening. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show.
Everything I've done Every thought I've had You know everyone And Lord, you know Every time I fall Still you come to my rescue when I call And Lord, you hear Every idle word Every thoughtless deed How it seems absurd That Lord, you give Not what I am but mercy, you come to my rescue. You come to my rescue. You come to my rescue. Come to my rescue. You come to my rescue. 
You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Is your congregation in need of lending for a building or expansion project? As your partner and advocate, Diversified Financial Network will take the time to understand your unique situation and develop a financing solution that meets your specific need. It's an exciting time for your congregation, and what you need is a company with expertise in church financing early in the process. Call us today at 1-866-513-6665 or visit us at www.diversifiedfinancegroup.com. This was a program reminder. Stevie B's Music Production presents. We're airing live shows here on Blog Talk Radio. Telephone number to the live show is 713-955-0508. And the website is www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash gospel light radio show. On Tuesday, I'm hosting a live show, What a Word in the Lord radio show. And this show will air every second, third, and fourth Tuesday of the month. On the second Tuesday of the month, the show will air from 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 5 to 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. And we have on this uh, show, on the second Tuesday of the month, we have a guest speaker from the Brotherhood of the Church of Christ who will be making their proclamation of the gospel of Christ. Also during that show, we'll have the Community Corner segment for small business owners and entrepreneurs who have products and services for our community. I also have two co-hosts on that show, Lou Gilbert, he's the evangelist for the Oakwood Park Church of Christ there in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and Isa Collins, he serves with the Church of Christ there in Cary, North Carolina. And on the third Tuesday of the month, I'll be hosting a live show with Dr. my co-host, Dr. Antherica Lane. She's a board-certified obstetricianist and gynecologist, and that show will air from 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. And Dr. Lane serves with the Great Road Church of Christ there in Cincinnati, Ohio. And she'll be hosting her show, Conversations with Dr. Lane. And then on the fourth Tuesday of the month, that show will air from 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. And my co-host, Kelly Fletcher, she serves with the Livingstone Church of Christ there in Indianapolis, Indiana. And she'll be hosting the Kelly Fletcher Show. Then on Thursday evening, each week from... 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 5 to 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. I'll be hosting a live show, the Gospel Light Radio Show. And I have seven co-hosts on this show, Clay Phillips, Dr. Frank Washington, Steve Fuller, Robert Lee Johnson, Glenn McMillian, Courtney Carruthers, and Brian Christian Coleman. And on this show, uh, my co-host will be presenting lessons from the Word of God. Now, I actually have two co-hosts on the air with me, and we'll also be taking a question from my social media platform on to one of my co-hosts on this live show, but we will not have a question on this show on tonight. And then on Friday night, I'm hosting the live show, Stay With Me, a fellow gospel music blast, and this radio show, the 2022 recipient for the camera, the National Academy of Christian Arts Arts Awards, Outstanding Achievement and Record or Radio. This show will air from 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 8 to 10 p.m. Central Standard Time, and on this show, I'm playing some of the world's greatest a fellow gospel music artists, the sweet sounds of Voices. And we're also interviewing artists, producers, writers, etc. And we're also debuting new music and featuring old music on this radio broadcast as well. And every third Friday of the month, I have my top 20 countdown show. And we also have on demand episodes where we get your favorite podcast from. Just go to the various musical platforms Spotify, Art Radio, Amazon Music, Apple, iTunes, YouTube, just to name a few. And we also have recorded version shows. Just search for Stevie B Media Productions 
recorded version, and these shows can only be heard on iHeartRadio, Deezer, and also on Amazon Music. And we want to thank all of our sponsors who are sponsoring these radio shows. If you would like to become a sponsor, just contact my sponsorship manager, Michelle Marco, from Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Her telephone number is 954-687-4705. The three E's of Stevie B Media Production, it is the objective of this broadcast. We want to educate, we want to edify, we want to encourage you in the study of God's Word. And that will conclude our program announcements. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show.
You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Give your attention to the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now my co-host, Glenn McMillian. Good evening and welcome to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Uh, I'm here to t- discuss a topic that is uh, very important to the, to everyone, I, I imagine. And uh, that is, what is the age of accountability? And, and this is a, a corollary to a couple of the other sermons I've done recently. Uh, if you recall, a few months back, I did a sermon series on Calvinism, and one of the primary tenets of Calvinism is uh, total depravity, uh, which states that all men are guilty of Adam's sin and therefore uh, need uh, salvation uh, from the moment of their birth or even even before their birth. And, and they can only be saved if God chooses to save them. And we talked about all of the reasons why uh, we reject that teaching, specific teaching of Calvinism as, as well as the entire system of Calvinism, uh, but spe- specifically that the idea that a person is in sin from inception. Then uh, a few weeks later, we, we had a, or a few months later, we had a, a discussion about uh, who, if, 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 a, if a Church of Christ preacher was to teach infant baptism, uh, would that be a, a violation of Scripture? And we talked about what the requirements for, for baptism are, that a, a person must hear the gospel, must believe the gospel, must be able to repent of their sins, and must be willing to submit themselves to baptism in order to be saved. So, if we are so, if so, now we have a question. We, we we've established that a person is not in sin from from birth, but there is a time in, in, in a a situation that will cause them to be in sin and be in need of salvation. So there is a gap there that needs to be accounted for. If the person is not born in sin, if we agree with that as a premise, and a person must become lost by their own actions, and then at some point they have to make a decision in order to become saved, as our, our brother Johnson just uh, did a, a fabulous sermon uh, before I got on and, and talked about how a person can, uh, you know, believe that they're a Christian but not be a Christian. But one of those the things that will keep the, a person from being a Christian is that if they're not uh, following and not understanding um, what they need to do to be saved. So, the question becomes, and, and, and follows logically from that, when does a person become in a state of sin? If we say that a, an infant is not not sinful and an adult is, is accountable, at what point does the person become uh, accountable for their sins? And this, we, we've come up with a term, uh, in Christian circles uh, for this line of demarcation, as it were, and we call that the, the age of accountability. 
And this is becoming an issue, uh, and the reason why I'm addressing it tonight is because our brothers that I respect in the church that, that are uh, fairly prominent uh, preachers in the church who have uh, made this an issue recently, um, not because we disagree on uh, whether or not a child is, is innocent um, or, or whether or not a child needs to, to, to repent, but, but at what point does this line sit? And, and if you are on the wrong side of this line, what does that mean? So, so let's do some, again, do some background, and let, let's go and try to open up Scripture and figure out what the Bible says, the age of accountability. So I, I started out with the premise that a child is not, or at least an infant is not, not infant. And I think that, again, we, we, we've talked about this before, but I think we, it, it bears uh, repeating just in case you were not here for that lesson. Uh, Ezekiel chapter 18 says, the soul that sins will die. We, the person is accountable for their own sins. The, there, there is no, the sin of Adam does not spill over uh, to you in, in terms of the guilt of that sin. Uh, Romans chapter 5 is talking about the effects of that sin, that death came into the world because of sin, and death is something that we all have to deal with as a consequence of sin, uh, physical death. But spiritual death, your your separation from God, is based on your own actions and your own, uh, you know, standing with God, the things that you do. Uh, and that goes, that's all throughout the Bible. Romans 6 says that a person will be judged according to his own deeds whether they be good good or evil. So it's you've got to be consistent with the entire book of Romans, not just take, take chapter 5 out of context and try to make this case. We're all born in sin. No one is born in sin. We, we, we are born a blank slate. That does not mean that we are essentially good, which is the other side. You're talking about Calvin versus Arminius. Uh, Arminius says that, that means that a man's nature is essentially good. That's not what that means. It means that we are born a blank slate. We have, we're not good or evil we have, until we choose to make good or evil decisions. So you're, you're just a blank slate, and you are innocent until sin is found in you, as, as uh, the Bible says. So that's where we are. And we know that... Uh, at some point, we all struggle with with sin. You know, from, again, going back to Romans chapter three, you know, all have sinned and fallen fallen short of the glory of God. So, if that, that being the case, again, we we come back to the point of so. At, at what point does this happen? At what point are we being held accountable? for the sins that we commit, and, and what does that mean in terms of salvation? Because if a person is accountable for their sins, then they are also eligible to, to be saved and put on a price of baptism. So the, there are a couple of different ways that you can 
address this. You can say that it is tied to a person's chronological age. If you're going to say that, that a person has to reach a certain age chronologically in order to be saved, then you have to make that case biblically and, and figure out where biblically you would put that line, right? So a person can say, you know, a five-year-old is not eligible for, for salvation or a 10-year-old is not eligible for, for salvation based on chronological age. Um, they don't have any scripture to back, back that up. There's nothing in, in scripture that says, okay, when you reach this age, you are eligible for salvation. But there's a lot of people who have tried to, to make this line and, and, and make uh, the case for it. Uh, the Mormons put the chronological age at eight years old, saying that an, eight, an eight-year-old is automatically uh, eligible uh, for salvation and, and, and accountable for sin at the age of eight. I don't know how they got to that number, and I wouldn't base my, <laughs> my, uh, my arguments on what, they, what the Mormons teach. So uh, let's move on from this. If, if we're going to slide from the Mormons, then maybe we should, should look at the, the Israelites, right? We, the whole thing about uh, the Bible is the story of Israel and how the blessings of Israel spill out to, to us. So where did Israelites put this line? Well, Ancient Israel, we don't really know, but you know, currently we see bar mitzvahs for uh, Jewish people happen at the age of 15. Um, but bar mitzvahs are not something that comes from the Bible; that comes from their culture. So, is the age is the the line at 15? The Bible doesn't say that. There's nothing biblical about the bar mitzvah. So we got to tie it to something biblical, okay? So it's got to be from Israel, it's got to be something biblical. Um, one of these preachers that, I, that I'm referring to puts the line at the age of 20. After all, the, the, the Israelites were trying to go from Canaan across the, the Georgian River. They uh, got some bad advice from, from their spies, and they decided to turn back. And God uh, placed a judgment on those people and said that those anybody under the age of 20 would be able to, to come in, but anybody over the age of 20 uh, was was going to die in the desert. Um, so it, she, or this preacher draws from that the idea that no one is accountable for sin uh, until they've hit the age of 20. And Therefore, nobody is eligible for salvation until they hit the, the age of 20. That, are we going to, that seems, it, it's based in a scripture. It, it definitely has some scriptural bearing, but we, that doesn't seem right to me. Does, uh, that, it, it seems like a stretch to take that example all the way back from, from Exodus and try to bring that over into the New Testament and say that that's the standard uh, for, our, for our salvation. There's nothing in the New Testament that ties this uh, to that. And, you know, the other uh, 
preacher that I was uh, that I referred to talks about uh, at what age would you allow your child to to get married or vote or do any of those things? Well, according to the laws of the land, uh, the age of consent is 16. The age to to vote is 18. The age to to drink or smoke is 21. The age to rent a car is 25. So at what point does a, a child become an adult? And what, that is a, a question that society has struggled with for, as we can see, thousands of years. There's not really an answer, a, a consistent answer to that question. So is, this, is your salvation based on the dictates of your culture? If your culture says that you're not an adult until 18 or 21, are you therefore not accountable for your sins until you until you reach that age. That that doesn't ring true, right? Because different societies would have different uh, requirements. I mean, again, the age of consent in in the United States is 16. In another country, it may be higher or lower. Does God base our salvation on on the laws of man. So, as we can see, it's it's inherently problematic to try to tie this to a chronological age and say that's the standard. Because again, the Bible doesn't actually say this. There's there's nothing in the Bible that says you have to reach a certain chronological age before you're eligible for salvation. And any justification that you're going to make for a specific age is going to be uh, speculation at best and, and a, a severe twisting of scripture uh, at worst. Of course, this has drastic implications, right? Because if you're going to say that a person is not eligible for salvation until they reach a certain age, yes, you are being gracious to children under that age who may or may not have an understanding of what what the Bible requires of them and what, what God requires of them. At the same time, though, you're not extending grace to your brothers and sisters who were baptized at a young age. I, I am a second-generation Christian. My, my parents were Christians and were, were uh, I've been in the church. My dad was a, a minister in the church for many years while I was growing up, and he, he, he's still preaching to this day. Um, so I was taught a lot of these things about sin and salvation and, and God and, and heaven from very early age. And so I was baptized at a young age. Uh, all of my brothers were baptized at a young age. Every second-generation Christian that I know was baptized at a young age. I don't, I don't know a second-generation Christian that I know of that was baptized before or after the age of 15 that I could. So when somebody's coming in and saying that, you know, you're not eligible for salvation until you reach the age of 20 or, or 16 or whatever age you're putting in, Yes, you're being gracious to a lot of people, but you're also, by implication, condemning a lot of your brothers and sisters in Christ 
who were baptized young. And on no basis, right? Because there's no scripture that says that. There's no there's no reason to be that that harsh with your brothers and sisters in Christ. And then stand up on that and say that that's that that's a thing that they have to repent of and they have to be baptized again. Um, when they're not convicted of that, and you have no scripture to to, to back that up. Um, so so it's inherently problematic to try to to try to tie it to a chronological age. Um, and if you're going to say that, you know, children younger than a certain age, a certain specific chronological age, are not eligible for salvation, it is incumbent upon you to say, okay, if those people are not eligible, then when do they become eligible? If you don't answer that question, you you you've given you're you've given them a condemnation without giving them a a way out <laughs> of that condemnation without without giving them a remedy other than you know to do whatever you tell them to do because you tell them to so there's there's no reciprocity there. there's no there's no logic there so if we're not going to tie it to a specific chronological age. The other bad way of, uh, of dealing with this is to say that, well, a person is responsible for, for sin when they learn about uh, specific types of sin, which is sounds reasonable on its face, that, that God's not going to judge a person for something that they don't know. Uh, but at the same time, by saying that, if, if a person is ignorant, they are not accountable, then what you're really saying is that we shouldn't be evangelizing, right? This goes back to uh, what we were talking about with Calvinism. Calvinism, it doesn't make sense to evangelize in Calvinism because you have no control over your salvation anyway. And it doesn't make sense to evangelize if you are talking about accountability comes with knowledge because then if you go and evangelize people, you're giving them knowledge and you're taking them from a place where they were safe in ignorance and bringing them into a place where they could be in danger, where they now know what God requires of them. But if they don't uh, accept what you've given them, they are not eligible for, for condemnation when before <laughs> they would have been safe, right? So obviously – there is a uh, there's a problem with waiting until the person actually knows very specifically uh, what things are are uh, are sin and what's not sin in order to be uh, accountable. There there is an accountability uh, that comes with just being in the environment. I mean, there are things that we all know that. That are, we are, we all are having a, an awareness of, in terms of things that are sinful. Maybe it may be the wrong word to use for people who are outside of uh, the church and don't understand the concept of sin. But at least they they understand that these are things that should not be done. Right? We can name the big ones: murder and, and theft and things like that. Um, everybody understands those, and everybody understands that those are not conducive to living in a 
civilized society. And if you do those things, you're going to be facing consequences. Uh, but there are also things that we know are to be sin that are very specific to the way that God deals with us. And most of these things have to do with worship. So using musical instruments in worship is, is, is a sin. Um, but that's a sin because that is a specific thing that God has uh, not prescribed for worship. And if you are not in the uh, environment of Christianity where you would know uh, what worship is and how to worship God properly, you're not going to recognize that as being a sin. So are you are you not accountable for that? Uh, there are other things that are that are being taught by Christianity that are countercultural. Uh, are what, what the Bible says about uh, sexual purity, for example. Is countercultural. So if you're, if a person grows up in today's culture, they don't see or recognize uh, certain sexual orientations or behaviors as being sinful. Um, they see them as being normal, and so they have to be taught what God says about those things. Is a person not accountable for the for for fornication uh, until they learn about what God says about fornication? And if that's the case, again, are we doing damage to them by evangelizing them where they were would have been safe, but now we are bringing them condemnation? So we can't tie it to chronological age, and we can't tie it to specific knowledge because those have very problematic uh, implications for how. God works with people uh, and 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 say things about God that I that I don't believe to be true. So, what is what do we say about how to understand when a person is accountable for their sin? Well, the Bible says that it has to do with a person's understanding of the concepts of good and evil. They don't have to have specific knowledge of everything that God says is wrong, right or wrong, but they do have to have the ability to understand that there is such a thing as right or wrong. If you go go all the way back to the Garden of Eden, when were Adam and Eve held accountable for sin? When they gained the knowledge of good and evil. But once they gained the knowledge of good and evil, they were accountable for the sin that they had committed in, in, in violating the will of God. But all of the things that, that, that would have come under uh, the umbrella of evil, now they are accountable for those too because they, have the, the, they understand the concept. Knowledge of good and evil is not something that is super difficult to understand. But, it, but you know, again, specific things are going to be, need to be taught. But if you understand that there is a, a, a good and an evil, there, some, some, there are moral actions and moral implications tied to to actions, uh, then you are accountable for, for making the right decisions from that point on. We see this again if we go to John chapter 9. Uh, Jesus hints at this. Go to uh, verse uh, 40 and 41 where setting the table, Jesus had healed the, the man born blind. The, the Pharisees had a problem with this. 
and then they came to Jesus and they, they were saying that, you know, you you got to do something about this. You can't be healing people on the Sabbath. And, and Jesus tells them that you don't understand anything. You you guys are blind. And, and verse 40, it says, those who were with him from the Pharisees heard these things and said to him, we are not blind too, are we? And Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have no sin. But now that you maintain we see, your sin remains. So again, they they if they had said that we don't understand, we we don't get this. This this doesn't is isn't something that we can comprehend. They wouldn't have been held accountable. But since they they say that they are obeyed, they say they they are accountable. They understand. We see. Since Jesus says, okay, if you see, then you're accountable. If you if you have the ability to discern between right and wrong, then you're accountable for knowing what's right and wrong. You know, even if you go back to uh, Romans chapter 2, the, the Gentiles, when they do by their nature the things of the law, then they are freed from the judgment of the, that law. So it is the the fact that they are they have a concept they don't they don't know the law they didn't they didn't have the law but they knew instinctively that there were things that are good and there were things that are evil and so they did the things of the law they did the good things that they were supposed to do they avoided the things that they knew to be wrong even though they didn't have specific knowledge of what the law said and therefore that was given to their credit so it is the ability to conceive of these things rather than reaching a specific age threshold that gets us to the understanding of who can be saved and who can't. Of course, this is something that is problematic because that's, that's not an answer that <laughs> is very very satisfying, right? Again, we, we're, we're dealing with the the age of, of children that are in that in-between state. And, and again, society has been dealing with the with the in-between state for a long time. So you're trying and trying to figure out where that line is, where children really have an understanding of what they're doing, and and how do we uh, do that? But we again, we we instinctively know. That it's not about age, right? Because if we if we know that if we had a a man or a woman who was of age, you know, twenty twenty five, but mentally was not capable, you know, of, of thinking, you know, past a fourth grade level or or, or a three year old level, um, we have a sense, and and our instinct tells us that that person would not be held accountable for whatever actions that do because they can't conceive, they can't understand what they're doing as being wrong because mentally they, they can't process it. So, and we tie that back to, to children. Children, again, they're, they, haven't been, they haven't grown up. They haven't fully developed. They don't really always have a complete understanding of what's going on, and therefore, we don't believe that God is going to hold them accountable. So no one is trying to condemn five-year-olds and, and, and put five-year-olds in hell by saying that you can be baptized at a younger age than 15 
I mean, th- those two things are not <laughs> – don't follow. It's a complete non sequitur. But at the same time, it becomes more questionable when you get to around the age of 10, 11, 12, because there's a lot of variation in that age group. Um, I was going to do some uh, some research into this and, and dig up some examples, but I didn't have to. <laughs> as soon as I opened up my Facebook page, I, I was account uh, was given examples uh, that I could use in this lesson. There was there was a a 12 year old girl who has just graduated with her associate's degree. Um, I forget from what, what college, but it doesn't matter. If this 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 girl is doing college, not only doing college level work, has graduated uh, from from uh, a community college at the age of twelve. Are we going to say that that twelve year old does not have the capacity to understand the concepts of sin and just atonement and, and those kinds of things because but but is able to get an associate's degree from a from a degree granting institution. Make it make sense, right? The 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 Bible is not that difficult to understand. It, and one of the preachers that I that I'm referring to here makes a habit of saying that you, God has given you a good brain. God has given you the Bible in order to read and understand. The the Bible, if you take out the, the, the funny names, is basically rated at the sixth grade level You so you can read and you can understand. But the, the sixth grade level, if, if you are from America and you know this, how to count these things, your average sixth grader is somewhere around 11 or 12 years old. So if you're saying that the Bible is written at a, 12, at a sixth grade level, so the a person who can read at a sixth grade level should be able to understand the concepts that the Bible is, is laying out. You are admitting that the average six-year-old, uh, sixth grader, the average 11 or 12-year-old, should be able to understand the concepts therein. And if they understand the concepts therein, they understand that they are accountable uh, for those for the sins that they commit, it only follows logically. And if not, why not? So, am I saying that eleven and or twelve is where I should, where you should draw the line? I didn't say that, <laughs> and I'm not going to say that. What I'm saying is that. The, the concepts of salvation are laid out in Scripture. Scripture is not difficult to understand. The, the things that better, I mean, is not, there are, there are deep things in Scripture that take some time to, to really grasp and to, to really get deep knowledge. And some of the things that I don't think anybody really gets deep knowledge of. But the basics of good and evil, the basics of God has a standard that he expects us to, to follow, to God. There are things that God wants from us. There are things that God, God expects us not to do. 
that's that's not difficult to to understand. And there and if we have violated those things, if we've done the things that God doesn't doesn't want us to do, then then we are uh, in need uh, of of forgiveness from God. This 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 is not this is not a hard concept to understand. It, it really isn't. And so to say that because a child is ten years old, that it, it is not possible for them to understand these things. I mean, these the argument was made that you know if we look at the, this list of sins in First Corinthians chapter six verse 9 through 11. It says, or do you not know that the righteous, the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, idolaters, adulterers, homosexuals, thieves, the greedy, those habitually drunk, verbal abusers, swindlers, will, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. So, the argument was made. Do you do you know any five or ten year olds who have done things on that list? And you know, again, that, that is that the only list of sins in scripture? I mean, there's a lot of people who could say that they look at that list and say, I haven't done any of the things on that list. Some of them would be even telling the truth that they said that. But that's not the only list of things. That 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 list is not meant to be exhaustive of all the things that that uh, that would be uh, considered sin in, in scripture. And, and he knows that. Um, and if a person had not done <clears throat> the things specifically listed on that list, would that person therefore not be needing of salvation? Because there are, there are other lists. <laughs> if we go to Second uh, Timothy three, we we have another list. Uh, it says to realize this in the last days, difficult times will come for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, slanderers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self control. Brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding a form of godliness even though they have denied its power. Avoid such people as these. Now, again, another set of sins, some of them are the same, some of them are different. And one that kind of sticks out when we're talking about the the needs of children To, to to be saved, uh, that disobedience of parents. That's not something that uh, an adult is going to struggle with. <laughs> uh, that doesn't seem to be tied to our, our, our targeted at, at adults, does it? In fact, we go to Galatians chapter 6, uh, sorry, uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1. It says, children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. So children are being given a command that they should obey their parents. We see that on this list of sins in Second Timothy, that disobedience to, to those parents 
is listed amongst the sins that are going to cause you to be someone that church people shouldn't shouldn't be associated with. This is not a hard concept for children to understand. <laughs> they get it. We see that disobedience to, par- to parents, again, in Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1 is another one of the more famous lists of sins in, in the scripture. And it goes uh, in verse 28, this, just as they did not see to fit to acknowledge God, God gives them up to a depraved mind to do those things which are not proper. Having been filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice, they are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, without understanding, untrustworthy, unfeeling, and unmerciful. So again, <laughs> there, there's no age limit on this. Now, you're, you can say, okay, well, they're living in a different society where there's going to be more likely to be have adults living at, in their parents' household. Uh, yes, that, that is true. But again, who is that going to be targeted at? It, it's not going to be targeted at fully grown adults that have their own uh, life. <laughs> That's targeted at, at, at children who are still under their parents' authority. And in our society, you know, we expect children to be under their parents' authority until at least the age of 18. Uh, in their society, it might have been a little bit older before a person went out on their own, but the sin is still there. It still, it still applies. Being disobedient to your parents, if, they're, if you're under, in their house and have to follow their rules, no matter how old you are, um, that's something that a, person, a child is accountable for. And we're using child a little bit loosely in this case, but uh, it's ongoing. So we have to really look at this and and make it this this distinction here. That are we going to say that children under the age of whatever? And and this guy is a I know him. Uh, well, I don't know him personally, but I know of him. I know that he is a also a second-generation Christian. So I, I can't imagine that he was much older than 15 or 16 when he was that time because he's been preaching for a long time, and he's only in his late 20s now. So... My my suspicion is that if I tried to nail him down on the age, he would put it just under uh, the age that he himself was baptized at. But uh, that would be a little self-serving. But it would it's the only explanation that makes sense based on what he's saying uh, in this argument that that a, ch- a child that is under the age of uh, twelve or thirteen. Again, we're talking about when you're talking about 13 year olds, 14 year olds, 15 year olds. We're talking about middle and high school kids. High schools are filled with almost adults, <laughs> and every kind of sin is going on in that environment. Are we saying that all of those 
those children, because they're still children in, in the eyes of the law, are no are not accountable for all of the things that we uh, see going on in, in our high schools today. Uh, and most of the, many of them are on those lists that we just read up. Uh, and if we're saying that they are not accountable, are we saying that they're not accountable just based on the fact that they're underage? Or because are we saying that they really have no ability to conceive of the things that they're doing being wrong? Because I, I, I can't I can't agree with that. That 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 they can't that they can't understand the difference between right and wrong as a high school student. Okay, but if we're not talking about high school students, we're talking about middle school students. So we're talking about again, there is a line, there is a a point at which a person gains that knowledge and gains that understanding. But the, the problem is that it's not the same for every child. Again, that girl that graduated from community college at the age of 12 is not the same as your average 8-year-old or your average 12-year-old. I'm not saying that based on her, everybody else needs to be, be benchmarked against her. I'm saying that a person needs to be benchmarked against themselves. And God is the person that and God is the one that is able to judge uh, the thoughts and intentions of the heart and is able to know uh, whether a person is accountable or not. Are there p- people who are, are baptized young, is baptized too young? Yes, sure there are. I mean, there are, you know, we have these church camps, some of the things, we see baptisms, and, and we, we understand that there are a certain number of them that are you know, just going along because their friends are doing it or, or they felt, felt pressure into it. Again, my my brothers were, were baptized young. One of my brothers uh, decide, was baptized in that situation, decided that, you know, I didn't really understand what I was doing at that time. And then a, so a few years later he was baptized again when he came to the decision that he needed to be baptized based on the fact that he was convicted that he didn't really understand what he was doing when he he got baptized. But that's not everybody's story. There are others who are baptized at the age of 10, 11, 12, and are faithful Christians until they die. Are you going to say that that you come back after the fact that 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 person's baptism never counted? Based on what? The fact that they were baptized young? Because you, from the outside, are making a judgment that they couldn't possibly have understood what they were doing? That takes a level of arrogance that uh, I'm not comfortable with. (laughs) That person needs to be, we'll take that up with God. Uh, And I, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to be in the one in the position to to say that they, that their their baptism was invalid, and I don't believe that anybody else can. They have to examine their own situation. They have to examine their own motives for being baptized. They have to examine their own faithfulness. 
to the commitment. If they they understood the concepts of, of good and evil, understand what they needed to do to be baptized, have maintained the commitment that they have made to Christ from that point to on to their adulthood and into their old age. Who are you to say that they were never saved? Based on what? Again, there's no scripture. There's no. There, there's no. <laughs> you're 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 just coming with your own speculation, making an assumption on what you believe a ten year old is able to do. But as we see, there are ten year olds that are able to do lots of things. Again, it's just another example of a thirteen year old who's studying aeronautical engineering at a four year. Uh, college uh, on the East Coast. I graduated from MIT and I wouldn't take those classes. <laughs> and this kid is 13 years old and saying that he, those classes, are, not only is he not taking those classes, he says that those classes aren't even hard. But are we going to say that that kid at, at the age of 10 couldn't possibly have understood what sin and, and, and the concepts of, of Christianity are when he's doing liberal rocket science at the age of 13? I'm not saying that he's typical. I'm not saying that he's the benchmark for all for all 13-year-olds. What I am saying is that some 13-year-olds are capable, fully capable of understanding what they're doing. Some 11-year-olds are fully capable of understanding what they're doing. And they if they are fully capable of understanding, then they are accountable for whatever they do. And if they're not, then they're not. And that's up to that's between them and God, and that's between them and their own conscience. When if they make that, you know, if they if they feel like they were pressured into to being baptized, then then that yes, yeah, that is wrong. And they, then that is something that they need to deal with because they weren't being baptized for the right reason. But that's not everybody's story. So it's not possible for you to make that judgment. So I hope that clears that up. So age of accountability is not really about age at all. It's about the ability to understand and the capacity for uh, for comprehension. And that is something that is going to be variable for from from child to child. That that middle age is different. Every kid matures and, and develops at different rates and everybody's going to have different abilities to, to comprehend the the tenets of scripture. Is are every ten year old able to to make that commitment? No. Are some? Yes. That and that's the only thing I, I, I'm gonna be able to say on that. So the lesson is yours. Thank you for, for listening and Keep uh, tuning in to the Gospel Light Radio Show. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Well, no, Jesus, hey, he will fix it. He'll fix it for you. Yeah, I know that he knows just what to do. Jesus! 
listening to the gospel light radio show ladies and gentlemen that's our show i want to thank you for spending a little time with us this evening in a study of god's word i want to thank both of my co-hosts for doing a phenomenal job on the broadcast this evening i don't know how you was feeling before you tuned into this broadcast but just sitting and listening to the word of god being proclaimed it'll just help you get over whatever ills or whatever ails you whatever uh disturbs you in your spirit, the word of God will just help you sort that thing out. Oh, yes, it will. And I certainly appreciate my uh, co-host on this broadcast. I appreciate my team. They are doing an outstanding job. These are faithful gospel preachers, and I am just so thrilled to have them uh, working with me on a weekly basis. I pray, ladies and gentlemen, that the lessons that have been given on this broadcast have been beneficial to your spiritual lives. And your relationship with the Lord has been strengthened because you not only tune in this radio broadcast, but you've given yourself over to a study of God's word. So until we meet again, I pray God's continual blessings upon your lives and that he bless you real, real good. You've been listening to the Gospel Light radio show. On behalf of my co-host, I really want to, I really do appreciate your love and support for these programs. I'm your host, Steve R. Butler. Good night, everybody. God bless you. You're listening to the Gospel Light radio show. 
Get the call. 
Listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show.